thought I'd love to hear that sound. All of you relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing. That's all. Police action was inevitable. And as it happens, necessary. So let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is simply the beginning. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until oh, further... I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. I figured since I... Wax Tony and Marco and his friend here, I figured you and Carl and Franco might be a little lonely, so I wanted to give you a call. How does he know so much about this? This is very kind of you. I assume you are our mysterious party crash. You are most troublesome. For a security guard? Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Anyway. Well, she had two silver dollars. Though. Who is it, Bob? Tell Danny. It's absolutely 1,000% Tony. Tony the engineer. It can only be Tony. Always has a $2 bill on him. Why? Making it rain. He makes it rain with $2 bills, but he also will... He'll tip the cab driver with a $2 bill. Danny, with regard to Tony the Engineer, it's best not to ask why. <laughs> the prolific nature of Antonio Brown is just staggering, as those numbers suggest. Yeah, pretty good dancer, too. Oh, was he on Dancing with the Stars? Dancing with the Stars. Did he win? Dancing with the Stars. No, he finished in fifth place, actually. Oh. What year? Just last year. with the Stars. Dancing 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 with the Stars. A fun fact that I did not know, that Antonio Brown was a Dancing with the Stars contestant. Well, yeah, he was with Von Miller, too, last year. Oh, they got the football game. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with, with, with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. All right. Dancing with the Stars. 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 Okay. Howdy ho, everyone. This is the Ballroom Blitz. I am Tony the Engineer. Welcome back. Well, season 31 has officially kicked off. Uh, that's right. Last Monday, September 19th, the season 31 of Dancing with the Stars premiered. And yours truly, was he in the audience or not? We talked about it last week that uh, I was going to try to go to the show. I had airline tickets many, many months ago for the premiere episode, but I didn't have a ticket because they usually only give those tickets out, you know, two to three days in advance. Well, Wednesday came and went, no ticket. Thursday came and went, no ticket. And I was getting really worried by then because I thought, wow, Friday, they're going to wait till Friday. They didn't do that too often in the old days. But I'll be darned if there wasn't a ticket there for me on Friday. So I did get a ticket to go see the show. I made it to the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here before we get into the actual uh, performances for the night. 
Um, I got to tell you, when I was driving up to the studio, you got to remember, I haven't been to the studio in over three years and I had gone many, many times. So the trip had, I don't want to say became, become mundane, but I had gotten used to going to the, to the show. You know, there were no more surprises. I knew when to get there. I knew when the lines moved. I knew what they were going to do as far as seating goes. And I guess, you know, the initial excitement, of course, is never going to be the same as it was early on. And it started to get a little regular, I guess, routine. Well, when I was going up uh, Fairfax Avenue, getting ready to turn on Beverly Boulevard, I got a little tingle in the body. I was pretty excited because it had been a long time since I'd been there. And I never knew if it was ever going to come back because of the uh, problems we've had with the show. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we talked about it last week. It went to Disney Plus because I think ABC was done with it. So it uh, wasn't too far off from being gone, I don't think. But, uh, boy, yeah, that little feeling of uh, excitement was back. And uh, everything else was pretty much the same, though. We got the same lines. You did have to take COVID tests, and you had to show them your vaccination record and all that. But uh, once we got into the ballroom, it was like, oh, boy, there it is. There's this familiar, like, going home feeling. It hadn't changed much. And, you know, you're there an hour before the show starts, I guess. And they actually did a little pre-taping of the opening number before the actual live uh, broadcast. So they had us in there a little bit earlier than usual. And, you know, you got to see glimpses of the judges and the pros and the celebrities, you know, making their way out and looking around. And it was just so much fun. And then you got to see uh, late arrivers, which is the VIPs always, they would come in and you know, a lot of the VIPs are former contestants that have been on the show or relatives and saw so many people and they were all, you know, saying hi to each other. It was just like welcome home week, you know, for the Dancing with the Stars family. So absolute blast. Um, one thing that was very different, normally it holds over about 700 people and it still would hold that, I think, but they did not open the third floor, or the second balcony, I guess you could call it. And uh, so they had uh, the announced number at about 350, which is only about half full. And I certainly noticed the difference as far as, uh, you know, volume of the place and rowdiness and so forth. And I wondered what it was going to sound like on TV, but I, I listened and, and they uh, took care of that. And it, you know, sounded pretty good or pretty regular, I guess you would say. So we're getting ready to start the show. And right away, they have the uh, English voice guy. His name's Alan Dedicote. And he's the guy that's been the voice for them for years and years and years uh, since the beginning. He's got the English accent, and it just kind of lends an air of credibility, I think, to the whole festivities. For the ticket folks out there, he would be like uh, our Conrad. You never see his face, but uh, that familiar voice means you're at the right place. And so that was good to see. Um, when they announced uh, Tyra as the host, she came out, and she did her little catwalk by herself. I was hoping that wasn't going to happen, but... I got to get over these little things. So uh, she did that. And then she did announce Alfonso and he came out right behind her across the stage. And uh, here we go. We're getting ready to get started. Now, right out of their mouths, uh, I got another little disappointment because they said immediately, the voting lines are now open. Go vote for your favorite. And I'm like, wait a minute. They haven't seen anybody dance yet. <laughs> so to me, they've given up the idea of having a competition anymore. It's turning in and has turned into basically a popularity contest. And, you know, that was the one of the complaints people had about the show early on. And I had numbers to back it up that that wasn't true for the first 26 seasons. Of course, everything hit the fan in 27. And now it, it appears they're not even trying. They're going to make voting as 
constricted as they want it. And it's just going to allow the ballot box stuffers to have a heyday. But again, I got to get over little things. So <laughs> let's move on. I did say last week I was going to try to be a little more positive this year, and I am, but that's not going to stop me from pointing out things I don't think are right. So let's just go over a quick list here of uh, little negative things I saw, and then we'll get into the positive things I saw. Uh, I mentioned the, the voting thing right away. Um, throughout the show, there was a lot of rushing. Tyra was rushing the judges. Alfonso was rushing the celebrities to get their answers in, and they would say things like, we got to go. You know, They're in my ear. We got to go. I thought that was done. Tyra did that all the time the last few seasons, well, the last two seasons. And I thought that was over because we're our streaming service now and you don't have to finish in two hours. I was told and led to believe that they can finish in an hour, 55 minutes. They can finish in two hours and five minutes. It doesn't matter because there's no commercials and there's no hard get out. But boy, we got a snoot full of that. Again, rushing everybody. And uh, Alfonso wasn't even able to talk to one of the contestants because they were in such a hurry. Don't get that kind of stuff. Now, they did talk to them later, but I don't know why they have to do that. Now, and again, too, this is the first show, so there's a lot of little kinks that might need to be worked out. Uh, they had another scoring mistake. Again, it wasn't as bad as the one from season 29, but uh, halfway through the competition, they gave an update, and Tyra mentioned the name that she had on her cue card, so you can't blame her. And they had it wrong on the cue card, who was in first place. And I, again, I don't know how that kind of stuff happens. I'm assuming someone's in charge of the cue cards that, that Tyra reads from. And of course, they, had it, they were in her ear then saying, no, that's not right. Here's the real first place person. So I know we all make mistakes and it's the first night. So let that slide. Well, Tyra goes back and updates the scores a couple or uh, several dances later and she brought it up again, and she basically threw her team members under the bus. She said, well, our, my team messed up the first time around, but uh, they got it right this time on air. And I'm like, boy, I don't think that's good for the spirit of core of the group and all that stuff. I hope Conrad, the new executive producer, the new old executive producer, has the ability to go to her and say, Tyra, don't call out anybody anymore. That's not good for team morale and, and uh, you know... <laughs> One for all and all for one here at the show. But uh, there you go. That's all the negatives I have, basically. So I'm going to try to get better like that. Just have a few there. Some of the positives, the uh, Skybox is back. Nice to see that. That's where Alfonso is going to be doing the interviews of all the contestants. And it looks like that's how it's going to shake out. Tyra is going to be the main host still. And Alfonso will be the Aaron Andrews person, which is basically interviewing people in the Skybox. Uh, let's see, the production crew did a fantastic job of changing sets. Now, they kept the sets to a minimum, but they basically only have 90 seconds now to change out the uh, stage. And, uh, you know, before, when they had commercials, it was three to four minutes. It was amazing to see those guys, I think they're all mostly all men, jump into action and clean off the floor and get the new props up in that simple uh, little 90-second window. That's basically the video clip time when they get ready to do the dance. So you have just that 90 seconds because they don't want to do it while Alfonso's uh, interviewing because it, the, the noise would bleed over. So uh, they did a great job with that. Uh, nice to see the English guy, Alan, again, uh, mentioning the pros' last names. I'm sure that was a Conrad Green producer decision. You know, that was one of the things the pros started feeling funny about, I think, under the old regime. They didn't announce their last names anymore. 
And they took away their creative control, a lot of it from their dances and their wardrobe. Well, Conrad's given all that back, I think. The, the, the uh, pros or the celebrities were allowed to choose their music the first night. I think the pros have a lot of discretion over that now. And also the, uh, the wardrobe that they wear. And that can be a big difference as, as far as comfort level of, uh, you know, the celebrity who doesn't have a lot of dance experience. If they're dancing to something they like and they feel good with what they're wearing. So there's some good positives there. Oh, one more bad thing just overall. And it's a minor thing, but it bothers me. Uh, they had an elimination last night. I'm going to say last night a lot. Obviously, it was Monday the 19th. But uh, when I'm recording this, it's just easier to say last night. And, I, you know, we hardly get to know the person. So someone was eliminated last night. You know, in the old days, it was always, let's let them go at least one more week, see one more dance from them, and then we'll eliminate them next week. But uh, the argument I heard was, well, there's 16 people this season. Well, there's 16 people in season nine, and they didn't do it. They didn't have an elimination on the first night. In fact, I think it's only been done twice in the show's history, way back in season two, and in that god-awful mini-season of season 26. So again, a minor thing, but don't know why they would do such a thing. A lot of people in the audience, a lot of former contestants, Sean Johnson, Amy Purdy, Lindsey Sterling. I saw those all them right off the bat. A lot of former pros. Sharna was there with her husband, Brian. Brian Austin Green, who was a contestant last season. Max was there with Max and Peta's kid. I saw Kim Johnson, an old pro uh, there. The uh, second bachelorette was in the audience with Jenna, who is Val's wife, and she's expecting she was there. So nice to see all those folks back in the audience. Heck, uh, Mark's, Mark Ballas's parents were even there. Uh, what's her, her mom's name? I can't remember his mom's name. Uh, but his dad's name's Corky, and he was actually a pro on a couple of the seasons of Dancing with the Stars. So it was nice to see all them there. So uh, a good first impression, I guess, of the show overall. And again, I'm trying to be thankful and appreciative that we still have the show. Let's get into the dances. Now, there's so many here. I'm just going to give you a quick update, maybe a little bit what I thought or the judges start before we get uh, into some ticket audio a little bit for you ticket fans. Uh, first up for the night was uh, Jordan Sparks and her partner is Brandon. They did a cha-cha. I wondered about Jordan because she can certainly sing, but does she have any dance experience? And she said, no, not really. Uh, just as a performer when she's up on stage and there's nothing really choreographed there, I guess, or certainly not ballroom. Uh, so I was a little little concerned, but I didn't have any reason to be because she hit a hit the uh, cha cha out of the park. I thought. Now was it great? No, but was it good? Yes. And is there room for improvement? Yeah. And I think she'll do that. Uh, there was an ease and a rhythm about what she did. Uh, she danced a little timid, I think, a little down, like all first timers usually do, because they're probably scared to death to be out there. But uh, I kind of got some Amber Riley vibes from her. And Amber Riley was your season 17 champion. And uh, I think Amber was kind of the same thing. You know, boy, right away when I saw her, I said, this gal's got some uh, room to grow. And she did. She turned into a fantastic dancer. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Brandon can turn uh, Jordan into a really good dancer. Uh, they got 26 for the night. Most of the scores were either going to be a 6 or a 7. Uh, you only get an eight if you really wow the judges, and then if you have some stumbles and it's not so great, you'll get fours and fives. So Jordan started it off with a 26. Sam Champion, the uh, Good Morning America weather guy, and his partner Cheryl, they did a foxtrot. Sam's had no dance experience. Uh, he's 61 years old, and out there on the floor, he looked like a newbie to me. Doesn't mean it was bad. Again, I thought it was pretty good, better than I expected from him. Uh, he hit all the moves. It's just Again, when you're starting out from scratch, you're probably scared to death. They all say they are. And 
you're going to dance a little inward and a little slower than you probably should. You know, the performance is not there yet for people who are just learning to dance. Uh, a little bit of timing issues, I think Derek talked about, but uh, a nice little start, I thought. 20 was his score, so it's that four fives. Yeah, and that was about right, I think. Number three up was Heidi D'Amelio, the mother of Charlie, the uh, TikTok sensation. I believe she's 50 years old, but she looks fantastic for 50 years old. And uh, she's had training in dance, but she said it was, you know, years and years and years ago. And again, I'm sure it was very nerve-wracking to get out there and get started. Although with her first dance with Artem, it was a cha-cha, if I didn't mention that. She kind of did a little booty, booty shake and just showed the, the world her backside. And it looked very good. It takes a little bit of guts, I think, to do that, especially on the first night like that. So, uh uh, Bruno talked to her about like her attitude is her personality needs to come out more through the body. And again, that's going to come with time, I think. But uh, nice start for Heidi. She had uh, 24. Number four up, Daniel Durant, the uh, deaf actor from the movie Coda. His partner, Britt, they did a tango. Another guy that I don't think's had a ton of dance experience. He's obviously an actor, so he's probably had some kind of, you know, dancing movements in what he's done. But again, no formal training that I'm aware of. Uh, he's the third deaf person, totally deaf person to be on the show. Marley Matlin and Niall DeMarco preceded him. They both did very well. In fact, Niall won season 22. So I wasn't as shocked as I would have been that it was a good dance. And it was a really good dance. I think he was a little better than the others. He seemed more sure-footed. And, you know, he's a younger guy, so he just looked a little more fluid, I guess, And let's say Sam, who was on earlier than him. But uh, it was very smooth. The judges really liked it. I was surprised how much they fawned on all over it. Uh, Derek did tell him that he needs to get lower in the legs. I guess that gives you more drive and helps with the frame. But uh, they gave him a 27. So early on, that's the highest score. Number five, Jesse James Decker, the country singer, and Alan, her partner, did a cha-cha. Uh, she's obviously a singer, but and she performs on stage. So again, she might know some basic dance moves, but nothing as far as formal training. And she was also someone that that looked like it. She was uh, kind of small in her moves. Uh, she did seem to have a little bit of a comfort level. I think it's because she got to pick her song, which is a country song. And I think that's fantastic for all the celebrities on the first night. You know, let them pick something they're comfortable with and have an outfit they're comfortable with. They got enough nerves to deal with. Uh, we'll see if she can uh, keep getting better. Uh, Len said she has to work on her legs to fin and finish her movements. But uh, they gave her a 20, so room for improvement. Not one of the worst for sure. And uh, maybe, you know, she's going to have a chance. She reminded me a little bit, not looks-wise, but uh, content-wise, of someone way back in season three, Sarah Evans. And Sarah Evans was a country singer. She came out to a country song early on in the season and just knocked it out of the park. And I thought, boy, there's big things happening for her. And then the next week and then the week after, before she was eliminated, well, she actually left the show, the first person to leave the show. She went back into her shell. And I'm thinking, I hope Jesse doesn't do that too. You know, she was real happy with that country song. Hopefully she'll keep it uh, going onto the next songs too. Number six, uh, Teresa Judice, the real housewife, and his, her partner, Pasha, did a tango. Again, no experience from what she says. And there was the typical movement or slow movement, I guess you would say, from, from a newbie. Uh, uh, she kind of like walked through some of the steps, I thought. And again, that's another typical move early on. So I don't think they can get too hard on it. They just have to mention it. 
uh, Bruno said that she also needed to translate the passion she has on that Real Housewife show into the performance of the dance. And Carrie Ann said, you got to open her chest more and, you know, own the room. And that's hard for these first timers. That's what I said. They all go inward, it seems like, and their steps get small and their, their hold gets kind of small. Number seven up, uh, Wayne Brady. We all know Wayne and his partner, Whitney. They did a cha-cha and... Wayne's got tons of experience in lots of different areas. You know, he's kind of a man of all trades, I think. Been on Broadway. He's certainly danced quite a bit. And boy, did he have a charismatic opening to his uh, dance. He basically did a solo for the first 10 seconds, just him and the screen. And uh, boy, he really hit it, hit it well. There's no way he's going to be bashful. And the judges love that. So even if it is a little hectic or manic, I think someone might have said that in one of the... Well, no, I don't even see that in my notes here. Uh, they really loved it. And uh, they said uh, he's got a lot of guts and confidence for doing that uh, solo up front. Uh, Len Goodman called it casual cool and that it was the most watchable dance of the night so far. Now, it's seven dances in, but that's still pretty good coming from Len. And they gave him a 29, which was the uh, high score at that point of the night. Number eight, Cheryl Ladd was up, the 71-year-old, with Louis Van Amstel, who's back after being away for many years. Louis an original pro from season one. They did a cha-cha, and I was pleasantly surprised. As I mentioned last week, most of the 70-year-old-plus people do not move very well. And when they do, it's very slow. Now, Cheryl was kind of slow, and she needed a little more, whatever, hip, hip action and some other things in the cha-cha to spice it up a little bit. But it was really a great first dance, uh, I thought. Len gave it a comment of it was a little timid and she needed to sell it better. And then Carrie Ann said that the routine was a little bit too simple. Maybe uh, Louis has got to toughen it up a little more for Cheryl because uh, Carrie Ann was saying, I see that she's got a lot more in her and she didn't have too much to work with with that choreography. So... Uh, very nice first dance for Cheryl. She had 21 points. Number nine up, Vinny Guadagnino. He's the Jersey Shore guy. And in his little video package, I was really excited because he said he's never had formal training, but that he does a lot of club dancing. And the dance style they had for the night was salsa. And that's like the closest thing to club dancing in the ballroom world. So I was expecting a lot from him. And that might be one of those things. I had high expectations, and I was pretty much let down. He didn't do a whole, much, a whole lot of work, I didn't think. I think Carrie Ann even mentioned it, that Coco did all the work. And she kind of danced around him a lot. And I didn't see, feel the passion or the fire that you would think he might have going out club dancing. Uh, Derek Huff said, uh, yeah, it lacked the energy and the power and the passion that you got to have. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't Derek. Let's see. That's the next person. Sorry about that. This is uh, Len. Len said it was rough and he expected more in the salsa because it was a club club dance. So kind of what I just said. So uh, he got the low score of the night, 17. And that's a little scary. I don't know what kind of fan support. I don't think it's going to be great. So Louie might or uh, Vinny might have some issues if he doesn't get it in gear pretty quickly. Now, number 10 up, uh, Shangela, the drag queen with her partner Gleb. I guess I say with his partner Gleb. They did a salsa also. And you could tell the difference between the energy and the enthusiasm between Vinny Salsa and then Shangela Salsa. In the ballroom, that was the loudest of the night, the loudest reaction from the crowd. I even got into it because he just was full on, full of energy, full of passion. And of course, that's what this guy does as a drag queen. He just gets out there and he he gives you the he, he gives you a show. Let's put it that way. And we love to have a show on, on Dancing with the Stars. So there's got to be some some refinement, of course. But just for pure energy and passion, 
That was a real crowd pleaser, and the judges liked it too. Uh, they gave Shangela a 28. Uh, number 11 up, Trevor Donovan and Emma. They did a quick step. Now, Trevor is one of my favorites now because of what he said in his video package. He said he actually has an irrational fear of dancing, a phobia. And I thought I was the only one. I didn't think anybody else had such a thing in this world because it does seem crazy when you think about it. And Emma, they were showing Emma's face when he was saying this, and she was like, what? You have a fear of dancing? <laughs> I said, yeah, I feel you, Trevor. I know what you're talking about. Well, he gets a quick step for the first dance. For those of you that have watched this show a long time, you know the quick step is considered one of the tougher dances along with the jive, especially early on because of the speed and quickness and, and intricate moves you got to do on, on, in it and on it. And uh, I wasn't expecting much. Obviously, he, he dumbed down the expectations where Vinny kind of bumped him up saying he was a club dancer. I wasn't expecting much. So when I got a pretty decent dance, I thought, hey, Trevor, that was all right. And I think the judges said the same thing. Uh, Derek said he expected worse, and it turned out okay. Uh, Carrie Ann told him, don't be afraid to dance. Get out there and give it your all. And uh, Len didn't care for it too much. He said it was hectic and manic. And uh, I'm sure Trevor was just scared to death to be out there. Emma was saying that he was sweating quite a bit and feeling a little lightheaded in practice a lot. So I'm sure he's glad that first one is over. And uh, I'm going to be pulling for Trevor. I doubt if he's long for this world, but uh, maybe a few more weeks. They gave uh, Trevor and Emma a 21. Okay, number 12 on the list. Uh, Gabby, Wendy, the Bachelorette, and Val. They did a jive, another tough dance for the first night. And uh, she's good. That's all I can say right up front. And she's just following, it looks like, in the line of uh, bachelorettes that have been in this show, on this show, and they've done very well. Three former champions. I don't know what it is about those bachelorettes, but boy, they, they usually bring it. And she did. It was a tough jive, and she did a great job with it. Uh, she does have an experienced background, though, so that's a big part of it. She was a uh, NFL cheerleader, I think she said, for five years, and she danced all through high school. So I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised, but uh, Gabby, he really, really had a nice dance. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, did I say 28? Yeah, they were given a 28. Next up was Joseph, was Joseph Baina, the Urbiana, the uh, son of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his partner, Daniela. And they did a jive, too. And I was a little worried about this. Uh, because the jive is that, you know, kicks and flicks, and you got a big movement, and you got to be light on your feet. And Joseph's a big guy. He's probably pretty heavy. He's got muscles. He's tall. And I guess was I just say he was pleasantly surprised with it. I thought he had a lot of enthusiasm. He did a really good job, I thought, especially for the first week. Uh, Len didn't care for it. He said his feet was soft and floppy. <laughs> but uh, I think you got to give the guy a break here on first night of uh, learning how to dance because he's got no dance experience. And he's very fortunate to have Daniela as his partner. I think I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but she had worked magic with both Nelly and Iman the last two seasons. This is only her third uh, person. And this is a very unique guy. And Carrie Ann said that. She said she was very intrigued by what she saw. He's a unique guy. And she's very looking forward to seeing what Daniela can get out of him. And so am I, because Daniela's the best, as far as I'm concerned, among the pros. And uh, Joseph looks like he would be someone you could mold into a good dancer, kind of like uh, Nelly and, and Iman before him. They got a 23. Number 14, Jason Lewis, the actor from Sex and the City, and his partner Peta did a cha-cha. He also made a point of saying no experience whatsoever, and he was nervous about it, just like they all seem to be. They have no experience, and I don't blame him. I give him a lot of credit for getting out there and doing that. 
I uh, felt for him. It certainly wasn't his comfort zone, and the dance wasn't that great. A lot of small moves, again, a lot of slow steps, typical things for a guy and gal that's new to all this and is probably scared to death to get out there. Uh, judges didn't like it much. They gave him an 18. They uh, mentioned heel leads throughout, and that's something they would certainly notice more than the average uh, person. He did a lot of heel leads, and you can't do that in the Latin dances. And then uh, Carrie Ann gave him some advice that he needs to breathe when he was dancing. You know, we all get nervous sometimes and we take shallow breaths or we hold our breath and that leads to tightness and nothing good comes from it. So uh, Jason got an 18. Uh, number 15 up, Selma Blair, the actress with multiple sclerosis. I always mention that because it's amazing to me that she got out there and did what she did. It was a really good dance. She danced with her partner, Sasha, a Viennese waltz. And the package talked about her issues, you know, balance issues, uh, mobility issues. The body just kind of freezes up on her sometime. And it was a really good lyrical dance. Uh, not a dry eye in the house, I don't think. It just uh, was emotional to see her talk about how thankful she is to get to do this. And, uh, you know, it's it, you don't know where that disease is going to go. It's probably only going to go one way. So there's a, a feeling of sadness, I think, for all of us that she's out there and, you know, doing it, but knowing that it's not going to be good down the road. So uh, it makes everybody very emotional, I think. But man, it's fantastic. She's out there and I'm glad she seems to be enjoying it. She says she's very thankful to be there. Uh, they did really well. Let's see, uh, 28 is what they got. And then up last was Charlie D'Amelio, the TikTok sensation and her partner, Mark Ballas. They did a cha-cha. And of course, if there's a ringer in this season's show or cast of celebrities. She is it. She was fantastic. There's really not much to say about her. And I'm afraid that's going to be every week. She's just good, good, good. They're not going to give higher than eights on the first night. They gave her four eights for a 32. Everybody just was going crazy about her. And the most important thing I think you can say about someone or most, how would I say this? The biggest compliment maybe is when you take somebody off the street like me or anybody that's not a that does not a judge and can't judge everything real down to the, you know the the last degree. Sometimes I was watching that and I would I would say, gosh, which one's the pro? That's the ultimate compliment when someone's dancing that well. And I really think there were parts of that. It was a cha cha if I didn't mention it. That she her. I don't know. Her lower legs were just zooming all over the place, and she had such great upper body rhythm and musicality. And then she's a performer, too, from the TikTok thing. So uh, she has it all. So it's just a matter of how good is she going to get, probably. So that's your 16 dances. After all the scores were added up, we had Teresa Judice, the real housewife, and Jason Lewis, the actor, in the bottom two. Even though Vinny, the... Uh, Jersey Shore guy had the lowest score. He got out of the bottom two. Don't know if it took much to get him out of the bottom two because he was only one point behind Jason Lewis. But uh, again, Teresa and Jason in the bottom two. The judges did their voting for the judges' save. All three of the judges before Len voted unanimously to save Teresa. So Jason Lewis went home on night one. Uh, Again, I wish he could have stayed another week. We could have seen him dance another time. You know, maybe not quite as nerve-wracking the second time around, but that's just not the way it works, or it worked on the show, and uh, he's gone. So normally they'll have double eliminations. You know, there were three double eliminations, I believe, in season nine when they had 16 people, too, or, or contestants also. And I imagine they're going to have to have a couple uh, double eliminations later uh, in this season, too. 
but who knows exactly what's all going to happen when that when uh, everything's kind of new this this season. So a very nice start to the show. We'll get into a top ten list here in a minute, but I wanted to do some ticket audio now, and this is going to be a little different. This isn't, isn't going to be Dancing with the Stars related. So sorry, you Dancing with the Stars folks. It's just we had a a special person leave the company. Well, we had four special people leave the, the radio station this year, as I would like to think. But uh, Danny Bayless was a member of uh, the Hardline for all the years, and I I worked the Hardline mainly, and so I got to know Danny a little bit and his. Banter and repartee with Corby and Mike, the uh, two main guys on the hard line. He was so good at what he did, his relationship with them, and he knew when to talk and when not to talk and when to add things. And of course, Danny has unbelievable talent. Uh, you know, he's a songwriter, he's a musician, uh, he does voices, he writes music. Like I said, he does it all. He plays instruments. I can't remember if I said all that stuff because he does everything. And uh, it's a big loss for the station to lose him. Well, I wanted to just give a little, I guess, knowing nod to Danny with some audio here over the years. Um, I didn't get to know Danny well because he was usually at the studio. He didn't come out to remotes too often. But I always thought of Danny as kind of a cool character. And for some reason, the, the word swashbuckler always came into my head. And I wasn't even sure exactly what it meant, so I had to look it up. And it says, a person who engages in daring and romantic adventures with bravado and flamboyance and or flamboyance. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at Danny. I just think of him as a young guy that the long hair and he was in a band. And he just always seemed so cool. And uh, I don't know, I just had a, a natural attraction to him as a, as a cool dude. And whenever Danny and I met, which wasn't a lot, but you know, he would come out occasionally to uh, remotes, like I said, and then he was always at big events. Danny was always super nice to me. And uh, it's a sad day for the station, I think, that he left, and the other guys too, for that matter. But uh, this little drop here kind of encapsulates the, the thing I think of right away when I think of Danny and his coolness. Let's see if we have that... Uh do I have that ready to go here? I'm sorry, I don't think I do. Let's try it right here. I like cussing, getting drunk, and <laughs> fooling around with women. Yeah, that simple thing. Uh, they, they, that's that simple thing. They, they played that drop every once in a while, and I was like, that's that's Danny to me. So let's listen to that one. I like time. cussing, getting drunk, and <laughs> fooling around with women. Now, maybe that he's a dad again at this later age. Maybe he slowed down quite a bit. I think he has, but uh, that's kind of the, the image and the swashbuckler uh, thing I always thought about Danny was this cool guy that just goes out and has a great time all the time. Well, I wanted to play some audio here from way back when. I have cassettes from like the late 90s from the mid-aught to the mid-aughts probably. I did a lot of cassette recording of the ticket because we didn't have internet recording or I didn't know how to do it if it was available then. So I would have cassette recordings. You know, I got 50 cassettes at home, I think. And some of these are not the greatest because I've had to tape over them and so I cut things off and it's not always full. But this is a little discussion here between the original Hardline, Mike Reiner and Greg Williams. And in fact, Jeff Catlin's their, their uh, producer. He's now the program director at the station. And they're talking about this Danny in Lake Highlands, this guy that he's, he was a listener. And Danny would send in uh, bits and uh, audio clips and mu musical numbers for like uh, theme show theme songs for shows and stuff that were on the ticket and this is them talking about Danny Danny's not there or not but I just wanted to play this for the longtime ticket listener uh, this is old audio from the late 90s I'm talking about Danny and Lake Highlands of course he was so wronged by Dunham and Miller 
in their theme song contest, along with Anthony Smirchek. Uh, he also did the theme to Hitch in the Hardline, which really gets everybody up at the station going whenever we hear this. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This is great. We heard this earlier today. Yeah. I always like the bass in that. Yep. Have you ever checked that out, Cat? I don't think so. Well, you ought to listen for that next time. Now, he's also done something. He, he also did um, the Rusty Greer theme from last year. <laughs> now, I think we need a new one this yeah, we, year. Well, we need a new one. I was telling him that today. Yeah, we need a new one for him this, this year. This one's a classic, I'll tell you. Yes. Yeah, nobody can capture the essence of the shows better than him. All right, now what else has he done? I, I feel like I'm leaving something out. Oh, yeah, he did the market. Do we have that? Do we have that? I don't think so. Oh, that was a great one. Yeah. Anyway, everything sounds different. With uh, Here's Here the follow-up theme. This is one of the funniest ones ever. <laughs> Long time ago. That sounds just like Bob Dylan. It's good the organization. I'm moving out. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> that just goes to show. He's my following. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's so following. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. You know what's great about Danny, though, is that Everything he does sounds totally different yeah, from everything. Yeah, it, it's all different. I mean, he's a uh, master of many musical styles, and I'm and I, I'm convinced the guy is a genius. I mean, I'm ready to put him in the genius category. In his own way or just a pure genius? Just period. period. Oh, really? Yes. So you're not going to qualify in his not own way? Not even in his own way. I think the guy is a genius. I mean, when you consider all this and the wacky facts is too, yes, he's a definite genius. I heard his voice down today. Or at least for our purposes, he is. Cat, didn't you have lunch with him today? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. And we were talking about all the characters that he can do, and he can imitate all the characters and stuff. And, man, he is a dead ringer for all that stuff. It, really? it freaked me out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, let's move him I, in and the great Gordo out. Ah, nice to hear some old, old classic ticket uh, for us longtime listeners of the station. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, Mike, the founder of the station, was calling Danny a genius long before he even got to the station. And uh, he really is, I think, is one of those guys that can do it all musically, for sure. Uh, this next clip, Danny's not actually in it. Now, you'll hear his laughter in the background, and you won't know it unless you know how Danny laughs. But Danny used to say something every once in a while, and I often wondered if anyone knew what he was doing. And what he would say was, Russ, Russ. And it's like he'd say the word Russ, like the name Russ, but he would do it with that high-pitched thing like Russ, and it would be like, what's he doing? Well, I happen to be fortunate enough to, to hear the initial bit of where he got it. And that's the way it is at the ticket. It's got its own dictionary, and if you don't know how something started, sometimes you don't find out. You know, They don't explain it until they have like Ask the Hardline or something. But uh, this is where the Russ drop came from. The uh, original Hardline with Corby and uh, Grego and Mike and uh, uh, the musers were in with them. Let's see, it would have been, I think, just it sounded like just George and Gordon were there. But uh, Gordon was doing his fake Grego, and this is where the, uh, the rust drop came from. I want a hard guy. Well, you got one, Grego. Russell Crowe. 
Uh, uh, I'm sore. Get off the sick. <laughs> it's two round the clock, Russell. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, she flew out to Australia to be with him. <laughs> and she flew out to meet his parents. Nice to meet you, Mrs. Crow, Mr. Crow. <laughs> Yep. Greg Hammer, I'm going out with your son. <laughs> Do me a favor, Mr. and Mrs. Crow. This weekend when I stay with you, please remove all the clocks from the house. It hurts me. <laughs> Not sure where that was bound. Uh, <laughs> somehow trying to work in around the clock. Anyway, it says it also says in People magazine that uh, as soon as her divorce... <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> Did you guys knock it off? Oh, oh. Rush. Rush. <laughs> Rush, please no. Hmm? Please no, Rush. No. Rush. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> there you go. Uh... Yeah, old classic hardline and musers when they get together, and you hear Danny laughing a lot in there, and you'll you'll hear the occasional you know people pounding the uh, the table because they're laughing so hard. Boy, oh boy, some classic stuff there. But that's where Danny got saying Russ from uh, all the time in the future. Okay, well, Danny has a little bit of a temper, and you know it's like any marriage; those guys were together for a long time. So sometimes Danny would get mad at Corby, sometimes he'd get mad at Mike, or vice versa. Well, I just wanted to play a little one here. This is uh, them talking Rangers baseball, and then, of course, Mike and Danny love Rangers baseball. And not saying Corby didn't, but he had it in for one player specifically, and uh, Danny wasn't having it, so they got into a little fight. Remember, these guys love each other; it's just all in fun. Here we go. And it was almost like the perfect Ranger game with all the runs and the good pitching and everything. But then you look down at the bottom of the order. Good Lord. Are you really going to focus on this? No, I'm not going to focus on it. But are, are you kidding me? Whoa, whoa. You had one Are you guys effing kidding me? What's more, it's not even worth a mention? What's more relevant, that or the fact that you're that something you haven't had all year you finally got last night was production from one and two? That's why they scored seven runs. Yes, it is. Great, great. But Man, I'm sorry. I, I'm so tired of your Chris Davis bashing. He is what he is. He's, he's really a guy that goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts yeah, every dumbass. night? Dumbass. He struck out a ton in spring training, and he's been striking out a ton at Round Rock, too. But you know what? Really? He's been good and, with and it. His, his batting average is zero? I mean, he, Danny, it you're, was his you're first. Earth. He's had four at-bats. Four at-bats. I realized that. I realized that. But look. For me, for me, you guys are your dog firing is such. You know, I understand the relevance of it, but it's just like you're you're like this pit bull just on just tethered on a leash, just ready. You just couldn't wait to go there. No, I don't. I, I just don't, I just don't understand your hatred for that guy. I don't have it. What did I say yesterday? You're like the mad dog. You and are, if you, man. If we can re-rack the tape, you can say, you know what? As much as I hated Chris Davis last year, when we had him on this year. I want nobody to succeed more than him. It's not really? the most important thing of last night. Well, we just spent five minutes on CJ, Danny. Oh, you know, know, so you didn't five minutes talking about, about that CJ's contract situation. Such right. kiss-asses. It's right. unbelievable. Right, Danny, he's really getting mad. I don't give a damn. That's it. I'm going back against Chris Davis. I hope he gets shipped off to AAA at the end of the weekend. At the end of the 10-game homestand. Well, I hope you get moved to Norm's show. 
That would be you way before me, kiddo. Trust me. Oh, Come on, Corby. So cocky. Get happy, uh, That'd man. be you before me, kiddo. The kiddo so condescending. Wow. Kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go a little little fun argument there and of course they were getting fine at the end there and that's just part of it you know they love each other and uh just had to play a little bit of that and then uh, of course we had the famous john in plano uh this is a caller that called in from plano texas and in the early days the hard line would take a lot of calls well they they quit doing that as time went on but people would still call in well john in plano supposedly was on hold for two and a half hours and the hard line was kind of playing a game of chicken with him. They were seeing, well, how long is John going to hang on? And John was like, well, how long are they going to make me hang on? And they finally answered uh, 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 the, the phone call from John. And this is uh, Danny apologizing and then just having enough of John. I'm in cut jeans. And I purposely went on the air to see how long. I stayed on the air to see how long, if ever, you guys would ever uh, get on what? Get back to, to answer the, the um, part of my phone call. We left you on hold just Never. to see how long you'd stay on hold. Yeah, after an, after like an hour, we started looking at it going, how long will John from Plano... Sorry, guys. Let me move that forward a little bit. This is way too long, so let's okay, start it here. <laughs> Same phone call. Obscure products or, or subjects, if you will. But it is still rude to... Dude, nail me to the freaking cross. What do you want? I'm sorry. John, if you... This is twice as... Oh, Jesus, <laughs> shut up, John! That's enough. You made your point like 58 times. We've apologized. Oh, for two and a half hours! Well, you know what? Get your ass hung up on now, you idiot. <laughs> Freaking moron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever call here again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there was four table slaps on that one. Oh gosh. That's a classic John and Plano for sure. And then I wanted to play one more here. Uh, this was one of my favorites. Uh, at the end of the broadcast week, Friday at 6.30, the hard line would play something or do something called the concert calendar. They'd announce acts that were coming to the city. And Dallas always had a bunch of acts coming to the city. And they would announce them from like Friday to the next Thursday because this is Friday when they're doing it. And it's the last segment of the week. They're all tired and ready to go home. And at the very last of that last segment, they had something called the Reconsider Lounge. And that was a fictitious place where Danny would come up with three bands and he would change wording in there to make it funny and maybe talk about something they had talked about earlier in the show or what have you. And this was Danny's time to shine every week. So he would send a list to Mike. And of course, Mike would then uh, read that on air. Well, <laughs> Mike had a little trouble with some of these. And uh, Danny kind of had lost patience. Remember, this is the end of the work week, uh, the Reconsider Lounge. And at the Reconsider Lounge... The Smelly Fetus tribute, Les Ty. No, you got oh. that backwards. Okay, Les Ty. There's a comma there for a reason. Okay. Start over. All start right, over. Right. At the no, I want you to start Friday. House of Blues, Bob Dylan, and work your way through the entire <laughs> thing. You're amazing. Sorry, Hoves. All right, at the Reconsider Lounge, Les. <laughs> I freaking hate this show. Think Dunham and Miller would have screwed that up? They might have. At the Reconsider Lounge, Les Ty. 
the smelly fetus tribute, Rancid af- Afterbirth. Rancid! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Are you serious? Rancid? Rancid. Wow. You're amazing. Look how mad you got him. We're, we're like one minute from, from being the, done for no, the week. Start over from the top. All right. <laughs> Take three. Oh, my gosh. You can hear grooves laughing in the background. And I think there was one desk pounding on that one. Oh, some great, great times. I was there for a lot of those because, I, like I said, I mainly worked hardline. And uh, I don't know how much of the homage this was to Danny, but I just wanted to play some of the things that I got a big kick out of. Uh, Danny, we miss you. We love you. And uh, keep on keeping on. All right. Well, for you uh, Dancing with the Stars fans out there, thank you for letting me do that. You may have tuned out. That's okay. <laughs> Next week, I promise we'll have some more ticket audio that is Dancing with the Stars related. But I know the ticket listeners, the long timers, got a, got a big kick out of that, I bet. All right. Well, let's go to our top 10 list. How's time looking? Uh, not too bad, I guess. We'll see if we can zoom through this fairly quickly. I wanted to do top 10 lists again this season, and I thought this one would be a good time to do uh, top 10 first dance surprises. Obviously, we had the premiere on Monday, and boy, there were some there that surprised the heck out of me that might have been in my list. But uh, uh, I didn't add anybody to the list I, I already have here. Uh, I wanted to say a few caveats here. Number one, these are not the, the best dances necessarily of the night. Like, you know, Charlie had the best dance of the night. Well, she wouldn't be in my list because I expected incredible things from her. But someone like, I don't know, Joseph Baina, who I didn't expect much from, and he was pretty good, he might make the list. That's how I would, would do it. Um, I also, I, I kind of needed to know the person because if I didn't know who the person was at all, the celebrity, then I would have like no expectations. I don't know if they can dance or not. Um, and then I kind of had to have some kind of low expectations really to make this list. Like, I don't think they're going to be that good. Not, not with everyone, but with some of them, I did leave out to the, um, the most inspiring stories like heck that dance from Selma, uh, on Monday night, you know, that was incredible. And that was a lot better than I thought she was going to be able to do. So that would make the list. But there's been so many inspiring people, you know, on the show. And I don't even want to start naming names because there have been so many of them. They would make the list. That'd be the whole list pretty much. Like, how can they dance with one leg, you know, or what have you. So uh, this is just people that I know and didn't expect much from. Uh, number 10 on the list, and this one surprised me because I had these lists in my head, you know, when I started writing down on paper, I might have had only seven or eight people, and I'm like, oh, I got to come up with a couple more, and then I would have to hit the memory banks. Well, let's see. Yeah, I remember thinking that one was kind of good, and so I'd have to go back and look at it because I've forgotten it. This one surprised me how good it was. Uh, number 10 is Kelly Monaco and Val from the uh, All-Star Edition season, season 15. Now, you probably are saying, well, wait a minute, Kelly won season one. How could she surprise you? Because she's a champion. She's going to be good. Well, if you remember season one, Kelly started out really, really rough. Her first three weeks, man, really bad. And I, I say, if you remember season one, like everybody remembers it out there. I don't know how many of you listeners really remember season one or were there for it. But yeah, she started out really rough. And season uh, one was only six weeks long. So when you start out really rough, your numbers are so low that by the time you get to the end, your average is pretty low. She's got by far the lowest average of any champion, you know, average uh, judges score. And um, it, even her good dances at the end, I didn't think were that great. 
Well, her first dance in season 15 blew me out of the water. And I don't have any audio for this because I want to cut back on some time here. But uh, I remember Len saying, what happened to you, Kelly? You got to remember too, Kelly was season one all the way up to season 15. That was seven years in between. And she only had six weeks to learn in the beginning. So unless she took other dances, I don't know how she got so much better. Go back and look at uh, Kelly and Val's cha-cha in season 15, our first dance of the season, and listen to Len say, Kelly, how did you get so much better? You weren't that good in season one. And he was exactly right. So Kelly and Val make my number one uh, first dance surprises. Or my, sorry, my number 10 spot in the first, top 10 first dance surprises. Number nine, going way back to season six, Jason Taylor, the football player. Uh, his partner edited, they did a foxtrot in their uh, opening night. And I didn't have much to go on with football players. There were only two before Jason, and that was uh, Jerry Rice, who was not very good, and Emmett, who was very good. But I thought Emmett might be the outlier. You know, Emmett just had unbelievable charisma. He was an audience pleaser. Uh, he's a shorter guy, so his muscles were really compact. And it just seemed like smaller guys have a little bit better uh, fluidity to their movements. So Jason Taylor is six foot six, and I did not expect much from him. And remember, this is way back in season six. And uh, we're going to see what the judges had to say about Jason Taylor's foxtrot. About that, Len, what you think? Oh. Well, I'll tell you what I think. You are a good-looking guy. And I'll tell you what, I look at you. Yeah. Honestly, it's like looking in a mirror. Look <laughs> at the same boyish green frame. I'll tell you. No. No? <laughs> You've got great posture. You moved across the floor well. You're elegant. Now, you've just got to try and act the dance a bit. The acting side is what you need. Your posture and everything else I thought was right on it. I thought great. you did a great job. Carry on. I'm surprised, you know, I, I guess we all start with expectations and I expected you to be a little bit rougher out there and a little bit more, but you're really coordinated. You're very fluid when you dance. And I love the detail with your hands. That's a beautiful detail. I saw every hand beautifully done. Great job. All right, Well, you've got to be, Jason, you're going to be the most graceful tackler I've ever seen. Because, <laughs> I mean, coming out and those lines you hit, it really is very difficult to do. Your posture, fantastic. A little bit more drive. You have to ignite a little bit. Look how gorgeous she is. Romance, yes. right. heat. You know, you'll work on that when you okay. come back on the Latino round. All right, guys, head on back. Wow, really positive comments from the judges way back in season six. And it's so much fun, like I said, to put these lists together because it makes me go back. Yeah, I remember I was really impressed with Jason, but I don't remember the dance real well. And I went back and looked at it. And man, it's just fun to see the younger versions of all the judges and Tom and and uh, to watch the dances again. So if you want to see a nice first dance from a tall football player, go back and see Jason Taylor's Foxtrot in season six. Uh, number eight on my list James Vanderbeek and Emma, uh, that was just a couple seasons ago, season 28, their tango. I didn't know what to think about James. Obviously, I knew about him a little bit just from the TV show, uh, but that was years and years ago, and I hadn't heard anything about him you know, having any dance ability or training, formal training. And by the way, I went back and double-checked all these people, and none of them had formal training. Someone was on the list, and I had to knock her off, Paige Van Zant. I couldn't believe how great she was in her first dance. And then I looked her up, and she had all kind of dance experience. So I had to take her off the list. But uh, yeah, uh, James Vanderbeek didn't have any, and he really impressed me. I don't have any audio here to keep uh, things moving. But uh, did a tango and had great line styling. He was kind of like a leading man when you looked at him. He looked in control of the dance, and that was pretty impressive for uh, night one, I thought. Uh, let's see. Go to number seven on my list. 
And this is going way back again to season five, Elio Castroneves and Julianne Huff. Uh, Elio, an IndyCar, a race driver. I had no expectations for him to do well at all. Uh, Julianne was, uh, let's see, this is her second season. Yeah, she had won with Apollo the year before, but it's not about the pro. It's about how good is the uh, celebrity going to be. And I didn't know what to think. So uh, let's see here. Do I have Elio? I don't think I have Elio up here. Gosh darn it. I apologize, folks, but it's good for time anyways. But the judges talked about uh, the chemistry between the two of them, and Elio just glided along the floor. He, it was a foxtrot, very light on his feet, incredible ease of movement. Uh, the, the judges commented about how charming he was. Elio always had a smile on his face. Uh, he was dressed up real real classy because of the, the foxtrot motif. Go back and look at Elio and Julianne's season five foxtrot if you uh, would like to see someone that's just starting off. And in fact, I take it back. I have their audio right here. Forgive me. Let me play that. Let's see if it continues. We'll start with Carrie Ann. Elio, I watched you last night and you were sweating bullets watching oh, the girls well. last night more than any of the other guys. But you know what? No need because you are a natural. That was Thank wonderful. You. Julianne, great choreography. The nuances are all there. Debonair, it's just ease for you. Beautiful. All right, Bruno. Well, I think the king of speed has now become the king of charm. Yeah. What? <laughs> Again, I have to praise the choreography and the chemistry between you two. You played off each other so beautifully. I couldn't take my eyes off you. If you started like this, I, I have no, you can really achieve the heights again, Julianne. Well done. All right, and Len. Well, Julianne, you've continued just where you left off last season. I'm telling you this, Elio, that was great. You were like you were on cruise control. You were firing on all four cylinders. That, yeah, you girls. At the end there, Len was pointing to the women of the, of the cast saying, that's a foxtrot. Uh, again, nice to go back and see season five, long time ago. So Elio's my number seven, first night surprises. Number six, his racing compadre there. Uh, what was the guy's last name? James Hinchcliffe. Geez, sorry, I didn't write that down. James Hinchcliffe and Sharna, season 23, they also had a foxtrot. And... Uh, Julianne was a judge that season. So here she was dancing with Elio in season five. And it's one of my favorite first dances or top 10 first dance surprises. And then she was a judge when James was dancing with Sharna. And she mentioned in the video clip of their uh, critique that you remind me a little of one, my uh, season five partner, Elio. And uh, they said it's kind of the same stuff, you know, just chemistry between he and Sharna, effortless movement for a first dance and those foxtrots. I guess the, if you hit those right, boy, they can look really classy and you're just gliding along the floor. And uh, James turned out to be an unbelievable dancer. You know, he didn't win his season because he went, ran into the juggernaut of uh, uh, Laurie Hernandez, the gymnast, but he could have won many other seasons. So James Hinchcliffe, my number six top 10 surprises. Uh, number five, no audio here also. It's going back to season 21. It's Bindi Irwin and Derek, her partner. They did a jive. Jive's one of the toughest dances. They got that on the first night. For whatever reason, I didn't have high expectations for Bindi. And as you guys know, she was unbelievable. She won season 21. But for whatever reason, like I said, I don't think she had any dance experience. I just didn't expect much from her. And certainly not what I got that night. 
she just had incredible kicks and flicks for a first night jive, full of energy. You know, she was only 17 at the time. She's positive. She's cheerful. Always had shun- sunshine in the ballroom when she was there. Hard not to love her. But then when she did dancing like that too, unbelievable. So that was my uh, number five in the uh, first dance surprises. Number four, going back to season 14. And again, it's a football player. A lot of these are athletes because I knew the athletes and I didn't know they could dance. And this is Donald Driver and his partner, Pita. Season 14, they're a cha-cha. Donald just had, oh boy, I don't know what you want to call it. Just uh, a presence, a power about him, a stage presence. He was sharp. He was... uh, impactful with all his moves. He was a crowd pleaser and he had charisma and all that stuff. And uh, this is the judges talking about how much they liked this. And boy, the audience liked it too. I'm not going to have much of them, but you can certainly hear them in the background. That, uh, I was just saying to Donald, that didn't feel like week one to me, Carrie You are just nothing but charisma and charm for days. <laughs> you kicked that cha-cha's booty and went and humped and did a... <laughs> going on, but I love the routine. I thought it was a crowd pleaser. Obviously, these athletes, they know how to get you are, I can't wait to see you come back next week and do your little fox trot. Or no, right. next week is quick step. Quick yeah, step. you're in yeah. your happy place again, I'm aren't you? I know. Len? Well, I thought your attitude was good. You had a tack for the dance. There was flair going on. Now, you see, you got overexcited a few times. I know the, pe- the people went mad for the gyrations, which I understand. But you, you, because you were excited, you, you started to lose time a little bit because of that, because of the impact that you wanted to put into that dance. Now, next week it's a quick step. Now, that's a dance that you've got to come out with far more control. Lovely wide frame, great footwork. Don't let me down. I won't. Okay. All right. Bruno. Oh, yes, Donald. Full impact. We, get, we got the impact, I tell you. You're a diamond in the... Yeah, we did have it. I saw it. There's yeah. plenty of impact. Diamond in the rough. Energy. Power. Presence, but you know, Lenny's right. You got over excited. You were like a rooster chasing ahead. <laughs> this is my pad. I dominate this. I'm gonna get it. And he's great. The attitude is right, but you have to refine it because you really, I think, have the talent. Oh, so right. next week, refine it. There you go. Yeah, talking about Donald Driver and uh, as fans and as as uh, judges too. I think we would always like to see a little over exuberance and a little hectic stuff than people who are timid. And Donald came out and he didn't have any shyness to him. And wow, that first night I was super impressed with him. Uh, let's see. He's number four, number three in my top 10 first, uh, first night surprises. Uh, we're going back to season 20 and rumor Willis. Uh, I couldn't believe she didn't have dance training as good as she was. You know, she might've had a little bit as far as like high school stuff I read about, but no formal dance training at all. And I didn't know her well, but I certainly knew of her because of her famous parents. And that whole season, rumor one season uh, 20, that whole season, her and Val's chemistries was off the chart. And man, I noticed it the first night and here's what the judges had to say about their first dance. Competitor, you are in it to win it. Well done. All right, Len. And have a lovely light and 
shade, fire and ice. Sometimes it was intense. Other times it was quiet and cut. Val, this could be your season. I'm oh, sure. First of all, what a vision. I have chills. Oh my gosh. Uh, Carrie Ann, everybody's right. That I mean, the passion that you both had. I think for me, like, you guys are definitely the ones to watch. Rumor definitely has it big time. <laughs> Focused, powerful, involving the best arms I've seen tonight. There you go. Wow, well, they really loved that, as you could tell. And Julianne already saying, you know, she's, she's, you got a winner there. And uh, she really did. She was incredible the whole season. Riker Lynch was second that season. Riker was fantastic. But it's hard to argue, I think, that, uh, you know, I know there's Riker fans out there, too. And I liked Riker a lot. But I don't think you could have a problem with either one of them winning. But, boy, first night out of the box, rumor really impressed, obviously. Okay, so going back, uh, that was number three. Number two on my list, Kelly Pickler, season 16, her opening cha-cha with Derek. Another one, when you watch Kelly dance, especially that first one, no dance experience. I just don't know how that can be because she was so unbelievably flexible and it just looked like someone who had danced before. Uh, but uh, let's hear what the judges have to say about Kelly Pickler's cha-cha opening season 16. So, and people said it wouldn't last. Yeah. <laughs> yum, yum, pig's bum, that was fun. I'm yeah. telling you. But I'm telling you, great start to season 16. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Bruno Giulioli. Yes, that's the way we do it. Turned on full blast for the moment go. And I tell you, the shapes of things to come <laughs> look very, very interesting. Lenny's right. A little bit more work in the leg and a little bit more light and shade. But I'm telling you, can't wait to see you again. Oh. Okay. Like overall, you've impressed all three of us judges. I thought that was fantastic. You have incredible torso movement, my darling. I think, but one thing you have to work on is just keeping up a little bit more. I think you got sass and you got class. Good job. Yeah, yeah they, they loved her, of course, and she went on to win season 16. The thing that surprised me so much, she was in unbelievable shape, but she had such core strength. And, you know, a lot of us don't work our ab muscles. <laughs> but she was in great shape, and you certainly don't have core strength for dancing, I wouldn't think. But, man, the way she shaked her hips and her body movement and her flexibility on night one, I was just stunned. So, uh, Kelly Pickler, my number two uh, top ten first dance surprises. Okay, well, here we go. This is going to be my number one, and uh, I don't think this one's ever going to replace. This one has a special place for me. So, my number one top ten first dance surprises is... Season 24, Rashad Jennings and his partner Emma, uh, their cha-cha. This one has a special place in my heart. That's one of my favorite couples of all time. I think they had a chemistry that's hard to describe. It wasn't just like a smoldering, you know, sexual chemistry. It was a real partnership chemistry where they seemed to genuinely like each other and they knew what each other was going to do. It was a special thing, I thought, and I saw it there on the first night. And this one being season 24, I was actually in spring training with the Norman D show when I was working at the ticket. And 
you know, that was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and the show was in LA. And I thought, can I get to the premiere episode while I'm working spring training? That would have had to mean, you know, taking a weird late plane flight, getting there Monday night. Um, I'm sorry, no, right after the show on Monday afternoon, and then getting to the show in time, and then driving all night back because I couldn't find an overnight flight. And I was going to do it, but I just decided I can't do this because if something happens, the car breaks down or something goes wrong, I will be fired because I was the only engineer out there for spring training, obviously. But this was one of those dances that, one of the very few dances in the history of the show where I actually sit home alone watching it by myself. I was in the hotel room, of course, in Phoenix actually jump out of the chair and like fist pump the air because I was just so impressed with what I was seeing. And again, I know we've had good football players on the show, but in my opinion, Rashad's the best I've ever seen. And I saw it there on the first night and listened to the judges talk about Rashad. And wow, great stuff. Julianne. First of all, welcome back, Emma. Yes. Thank you so much. Second of all, that was the best dance of the night so far. what cha-cha is but you had your own groove and your flavor and everything and it was so good and all I have to say is I think you got the magic to make it all the way I'm just saying all right. Bruno. wow that really was the revelation of the night you were sparkling with star quality all the way through cool as a cucumber and on it all the way Woo! I can't believe what I've seen And you, as Julianne said, you have the magic, but most of all, you've now got all of our attention because that was killer. Killer, killer. Yeah, I wasn't alone, obviously. Yeah, he did grab the attention that night. And for Julianne to say, I think you can go all the way, that, you don't hear that much on the first night when you see somebody. But uh, really impressive. So Rashad Jennings, my number one top 10 first dance surprises in the history of the show. Okay, let's look at the time here. Eh, not too bad. It could have been better, but it's a work in progress, folks. Uh, if you were with us last week, I'm trying to cut these back a little bit. But uh, let's finish up here. We got a contest question to get to. Uh, again, giving a show a trip to the show out in Los Angeles away for season 32. I know it's a long wait, so if you happen to win, we can go to a tour stop beforehand or a Derek show or whatever we need to do if you don't want to wait that long. But I've got two people I'm taking this year, two winners from last year, and we've got uh, the dates picked out, so we're real excited about that. And since I've already been to the show now, really hopeful that we can uh, get tickets easy enough and get back in. So uh, if you want to go see the show in person, think about getting in this contest. Basically, I'm going to ask a question each week at the end of the show. It's an open book test. It's a question about something we talked about on the previous week's podcast. So um, there's going to be, what, nine of them, I guess. So here we are with... Uh, just question number one? Yeah, we didn't have a question last week because it was the, the first one, uh, first week. So here we go. The question for today is, last week on the podcast, I mentioned one of the highlights of my times at the, the ticket radio station was that I got to do a Dancing with the Stars watching party where a client actually paid for me to go out and we piggybacked off a hardline remote so uh, we'd have uh, an audience and it was an absolute blast watching the show with a bunch of people. Uh, simple question here. Where was that Dancing with the Stars watching party held? And that is the question of the week. Turn off the lights. 
the party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. And tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing again. Yes, sir. Dandy Don Meredith tells us that it's time for us to go. And uh, another thing we like to do here at the end always is, last year we played, I think I mentioned this last week, we played uh, songs from contestants that have been on Dancing with the Stars. Kind of felt like we've done that. So I want to just play some music from uh, my youth. And I think everybody's going to know this one. In fact, let's just listen to it for a little while. Love Unlimited Orchestra. The song is called uh, Love Theme. And the maestro ahead of it all is Barry White. For those of you not old enough to know Barry White, go back and look at some of his videos and music. What a voice this guy had. There's no singing in this, although Barry did do uh, words to it. He did write lyrics to it. And there is a version out on the uh, YouTube, of course, that has the lyrics in it. And I'd never really heard that much before, so that was fun to listen to, too. But this, of course, is an instrumental. Uh, the Love Unlimited Orchestra, boy, this was a very popular song of the day. And it was really kind of a precursor to the disco movement. You know, it had a little bit of everything, and it kind of had some soul and some funk and the classical sound with the orchestra there. So uh, love this song. And another reason I always liked it was ABC Television, when they would uh, broadcast golf tournaments, they would have this as their theme when they came on air. And you know, back in the 70s, things were very different. You didn't have golf all the time. You didn't have anything all the time. And the golf show might only be on for two or three hours. And so it was a big event in our household. And I would always watch the golf tournaments with my dad. And uh, this brings back good memories of hanging out with him. And when I hear that right there, I'm thinking, oh, this is the US Open now on, on uh, ABC Sports. So uh, a lot of memories of my childhood there. Okay, well, next week on the show, Dancing with the Stars, it's going to be Elvis night. I hope they have some songs of Elvis that are actual things that we heard on the radio and not just covers by you know, the Ray Chu live band. But we'll just have to live with whatever it is. But yeah, it could be fun. Elvis will probably have a lot of crazy outfits and uh, maybe some hip thrusting and all that stuff. Elvis night next week on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, please check out my Dancing with the Stars Minute. It's a call-in show to the Hang Zone at the Ticket. I do it every uh, Tuesday at 12.20 p.m. Next week is probably going to be next Wednesday because of Cowboys football. I believe they have a Monday night game, and so they'll move me to Wednesday. But uh, we are also doing a trip giveaway on the Dancing with the Stars Minute. So if you don't have luck with our contest here, maybe you'll have luck on that contest. So please give a listen to that. Once again... Thanks to TC for allowing me to do this in his place. And a big thank you to you guys for listening. So uh, 
Until next week when we talk about uh, week two of Dancing with the Stars. Here we are, week two already, the season 31. This is Tony the Engineer. Bye-bye. <laughs>